Eastern Connecticut. Um, but we believe and we are excited to spend this time with you, truly believing that the Lord will speak to us today. Amen. Um, I don't take it lightly that we've been um, invited to this place um, to get to share in the word of the Lord, hear collectively what the Lord might say to us together. Uh, and in a time where I think a lot of us all across the country are wondering uh, what has happened to the church pandemic? Amen. And is the Lord still present? And is God still faithful? Um, we consider it a gift that you have invited us to walk with you this Sunday. And so might the Lord speak to all of us together. Might we see the risen King? Amen. Um, and because of that, be renewed. Amen. And so can we just pray as we enter into our time together? Lord, we trust you. Mm -hmm. Lord, we ask that you would reveal the beauty of your word for this church, this community of faith. God, we trust that you do good things. So meet us here this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Uh, it's always a gift to get to preach, communicate with uh uh, to travel and speak, but it's also a gift to do so with family. And so um, I, I feel like we're not strangers in the room this morning. Uh, I, I work as a local youth pastor in Connecticut, but also through InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. And so uh, Will is in the house. Uh, Will is, uh, yeah, he'll receive spiritual formation. And so uh, I'm sure he'll break down my sermon afterwards. And so this is good. This is good. Um, and my wife, she works for CBF, BFN, the Baptist Fellowship of the Northeast. And I often think, one thing we hear about this group is that uh, we're small and mighty. Amen. Uh, so even today, as we are gathered, please know that there are churches across the Northeast, from New York uh, to Vermont to Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Connecticut, who are praying for you all as you discern where the Lord is leading you. It's a joy to just spend just a moment with you all to hear and see what God is up to. Okay, let's jump into the text. Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 1 to 14. And the Bible says this. Ezekiel is speaking. It says, The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones, say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together bone to bone. I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. And he said to me, prophesy to the birth. Prophesy, son of man, say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, 
breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up. Our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I am going to open your graves Amen. and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. Amen. I love uh, my talk for our time together is in the middle of a battle. Mm. So you can turn to the person next to you. You just tap them. Say, in the middle of a battle. I grew up, born and raised in a Haitian church. Uh, and so part of, part of our exchange this morning uh, will be the, the exercise of communication. Uh, and so I need you all, thank you so much, I need you all in as much as uh, I need the Lord to reveal to us collectively what he might be saying. Amen. Amen. And so we pick up the text this morning hearing from Ezekiel. Ezekiel, this prophet and spokesperson of God speaking to the people of Israel, the people who have chosen to follow God. They span a rich history from a man of faith like Abraham to warriors like Samson, judges like Deborah, faithful advocates and queens like Esther, brave prophets and kings like David, different men and women that gave their life to God. Gave their lives in all the good, the bad, the messy, the ugly, the beautiful to Jehovah, the creator of heaven and earth. There were people from the land of Israel, God's holy city rooted in Jerusalem, a city of people, culture, and presence of God. The place where foreign powers would come, even the Queen of Sheba from Africa came and marveled at what God had done. Mm. As Ezekiel writes this letter, Israel is a shell of its once great name. Jerusalem, the mighty city, has fallen. Mm. We're told at least part of the reason for this is because the people continually refused to turn away from sin and injustice. Chose not to follow God. The prophets over and over would remind them, they would call them to justice, to stand for what is right, to follow the Lord their God, but the people desired their own way. It wasn't just interpersonal relationships, even their leaders, their kings, their prophets, their priests would lead them immorally and without wisdom. Israel, this once prosperous city, this once prosperous people have abandoned God. God allowed them to choose mm. what they wanted, to have their own desires, but their choices led to their demise. Jerusalem was overtaken, the people sent to captivity, and now they are forced migrants in a strange land an unfamiliar land, an unfamiliar people 
and culture. And you can hear throughout the book of Ezekiel, uh, you can imagine the responses of the listeners. Hearing Ezekiel with tears rolling down their bruised and hopeless faces. You can read these words and picture the overwhelming sense of pain and agony as they're reminded of their sin. They're reminded of the consequences and God's lack of immediacy to rescue. This prophetic word from Ezekiel would have been received similarly. It's a peculiar vision. It's a strange mm. vision of bones, uh, dry bones, actually, that have no chance of revival. Dry bones that have been baked in the heat and without the capacity for restoration. God asked Israel, a, God asked Ezekiel a funny question. Can these bones live? Can these bones live? Ezekiel, I imagine, with some desperation uh, and some assurance in who he knows God to be, says, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Sovereign Lord, you alone know. See, without the power of God, these bones have no chance of living. But if God speaks, then these bones have no choice but to live again. See, because the God that we serve doesn't need a perfect set of circumstances to display his power. True. The God that created the world ex nihilo out of nothing, the God that formed humanity out of the dirt, the God who speaks through burning bushes, the God who causes the sea to be still. And even a valley of bones, something that looks worthless, something that looks insignificant, can become the staging ground for God's power. Mm. Amen. God speaks and leads Ezekiel to prophesy life to the bones. And as these bones receive life, they arise with breath in their lungs and as a valiant army. God tells Ezekiel this. This is a picture of Israel. Though they've been slain, they will be redeemed they will be crowned in glory. Their dry bones will breathe again and they will know their God who worked on their behalf. See, the beauty of a passage like this is actually how active God is in the text. God will work. God is sovereign even in exile. Though the bones might be all around, though the joy of the people might be gone, God will once again, work on behalf of his people. The text is clear, y'all. It says God led and spoke to Ezekiel. God would breathe and give life. God would attach tendons. God would command the wind. God would receive Israel, revive Israel from their graves. God would grant his spirit. God would settle the people in the promised land. Once again, God is the primary worker. Amen. In this chapter alone, the phrase, I will, is repeated over 16 times. And we have to be careful because we can mistakenly believe that the main character is Ezekiel. We could think the main character is the bones. The main character is the people of Israel themselves. And in reality, it is God. Amen. God's sovereignty, God's hand, God's spirit 
and covenantal love on display. Friends, have you met our sovereign God? The God who is sovereign over all the dry bones in our lives. Sovereign over the places that look hopeless and empty. Sovereign over all of our emotions. Sovereign over the places of joy, pain, excitement, fear, and the many unknowns of tomorrow. Sovereign over family drama. Sovereign over the difficulties in marriage. Sovereign over our work. Sovereign in all things. Have you met the God that is sovereign? The God that is all-powerful. The God that is in control. North Harbor, can I encourage you this morning? God is sovereign over your church. Amen. God's sovereign over your pastoral search. Sovereign over your past, your present, and your future. Our God is sovereign. Amen. Sovereign over all things. It's all powerful, all knowing, faithful, and good. The Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is sovereign. It's the God that we serve. That's the God speaking to Ezekiel in this passage. And Ezekiel begins to sense God's hand leading him, sense God's hand moving him, God's hand and God's spirit directing his path. God begins to shift and direct Ezekiel's steps. And those scholars might not know if this story actually happened or if it was a vision that, that Ezekiel had. It is clear nonetheless that God is leading Ezekiel. Amen. God directs Ezekiel through the highways and the byways. He leads him from his place in captivity in Babylon. And the text says that God's hand and God's spirit set Ezekiel in a valley. A valley. Not the holy city of Jerusalem. <laughs> not the land of promise. Not the mountain of our Lord. A valley. Did you know most references of scripture of a valley are actually in, in relation to the valley being a place of battle and judgment? It's not roses, petals, rest, <laughs> uh, but most commonly a place of war and death. And so God, this God in his sovereignty chooses to set Ezekiel in a valley. This was a place of slaughter on the battlefield. The bones represented the fallen people of Israel, dry bones all around, decay surrounding Ezekiel. And it would be one thing, uh, I think, if God had set Ezekiel, you know, at the end of a valley by a mountain, uh, to know, like, okay, we're, we're, not, we're not in the valley. But the text says God puts him in the middle of a valley. For as far as the horizon eye can see for as far as the eye can see, there is only bones, there's only lack, only the pain of Israel's history. Bones were a painful reminder of what was and what had been lost. It's a place of deep hurt and pain, a place of despair, a place of brokenness, a place of not knowing. Have you ever been in the middle of a valley? 
not the peak moments of our faith, moments where you sent the Lord assuring you to follow Jesus, or the moments where you got married or you had your first child or uh, seeing your kids go off to college, not the moments of winning the big game, not the moments of, of victory and success. I'm referring to the valleys, the lowest and maybe most challenging parts of our life. See, I, I think this is a challenge for me because I know too well of the valleys that I've been through. Where the psalmist in Psalm 23, David would say, uh, the valley of the shadow of death. This does not feel good. This does not feel comfortable. This does not feel familiar. This is a valley. Remember for me, one of the clearest moments of uh, being set in a valley was actually graduating from college. 2018, went to Gordon College and uh, left that uh, believing, trusting that, oh yeah, I was going to go finish undergrad and go immediately into joining a staff at a church, working with students, but instead was led from Boston to Charlottesville, Virginia. A place that only a year prior had experienced racial tension, uh, protests, division, major riots, death over white supremacy and racism. This place seemed to have lost its life. Dry bones remained as the community and the church tried to rebuild the brittle fragments of a broken social and communal life. Over and over I would wonder, God, why would you put me in this valley? I don't want to be here, God. Why would you put me here? And I knew in my core that God had sent me there. What do we do with the God that sets us in the middle of valleys? Pray. <laughs> Honestly, I think for, for a lot of us, the God that sets us in valleys, these could mess with our tidy theology. Mm -hmm. This could mess with how we understand a loving and good God. How could this God put us in a valley? Too often as believers, I think we can have the tendency to take these moments of pain, to take these moments that were in the valley, and just try to ignore it. Just try to push past it. Our world tells us to keep chugging mm. along, to just power through have tunnel vision and you will see good on the other side. But the problem of simply powering or chugging through our valleys is that we eventually, like the bones and chaos around us, end up empty and dry. Mm, amen. I think that as we power through, we can actually develop the tendency to turn away from God. Instead of meeting with the giver of breath and life, in the middle of our valley, bringing to him all of our pains, all of our hurts, all of our frustrations, our deepest laments, we turn away from our sovereign God and find ourselves like the people of Israel in verse 12, saying our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. Friends, why does God set us in the middle of a valley yet? 
To be honest, I still don't know the answer. <laughs> but I do know that in the valley, when we are at our lowest, when we're surrounded by dry bones, when we're surrounded by lack, we begin to encounter the words of the old hymn, my hope is built on nothing else Amen. but Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Amen. When darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. Amen. Every high and stormy gale my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking, sinking sand. sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Friends, when our bones are dried up and our hope is gone, we are reminded God is our greatest hope. Amen. All else might fail, but Jesus is our rock. Jesus is the rock of our homes. Jesus is the rock of our families, our schools. Jesus is the, the rock foundation. of Brunswick. Jesus is the rock of our future. Jesus is the rock of everything that we have. You, you may already know this, but if I can encourage you, I just want to remind you that though you might be surrounded personally in the dry bones, in the middle of a valley, God is in the valley. Amen. He was set there. Ezekiel was set there, but God was with Ezekiel in the valley. You see, God's resounding message to Ezekiel is that even in the midst of the valley, I am still God. Amen. I am still sovereign in the midst of exile. I am still faithful. I am all powerful in the midst of dry bones, in the midst of of broken relationships in the midst of not knowing what the future might hold. I am here. Amen. North Harbor, our God is here. Amen. God is sovereign over it all. And though our heart's inclination might often be to panic in the valley or to power through the valley, friends, we can put our trust and hope in the Lord that carries us through. <clears throat> Ezekiel starts off this passage in verse number one, saying, the hand of the Lord was on me. Brought me out by the spirit of the Lord, set me in the middle of the valley. North Harbor, like Ezekiel, I believe God's hand is upon you. Amen. Not because of anything you've innately done as people. No. God's hand is over your church. Not because you all are uh, abundantly faithful or perfect. Not because of your deep heart and care of serving the community around you. Uh, even in preparing for this message, I got to catch uh, Eduardo preach on um, on Jesus's call, right in Matthew chapter five. Right, I got to hear and I got to be encouraged and I got to know that that God is present. And yet, even that is not why God is hands upon you. 
actually think the reason God's hand is here, we find it in verse 6 and 13. So that we might know God will work, and so others might know Amen. God will work. Amen. Friends, God's hand is over you, surrounding you. He is within you because God wants to reveal to you and to his creation that he is God. Amen. That he is sovereign. That he is the primary actor in this story. That he loves you. Amen. And that even in the valley, we are not alone. Mm -hmm. Thank Amen. God. Amen. Let us pray. God, we thank you that you are the God of the valley. And you're the God of the mountain. You're the God of Brunswick. You're the God of North Harbor. You are the God that has revealed himself to be true. So Lord, I, I ask that you would receive the pieces that we have to offer. Would you take our two fish and five loaves <laughs> and would you make them beautiful in your sight? Amen. God, in, in, our, in our lives, in what we do, would you restore the joy of your salvation? Would you be with this congregation as they continually pursue trust in you? Lord, today we believe that you are sovereign. Amen. That even in the valley, you are good and will not forsake your people. In Jesus' name we all say together, amen. Amen. amen.